0: Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Roble. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, let me emphasize that I don't know you and you don't know me, so I'm not recommending anything in this episode. Instead, my goal is to ensure that you can make decisions in your financial life with as much context as possible. This is episode 42, New Beginnings. This episode is going to be a little different from the ones we've done in the past. I left big finance two years ago to try to start something on my own, but I've spent my entire professional career working in financial services. I've worked in investment banking, corporate finance, private banking, wealth management, international trade finance. I've seen the insides of some of the largest financial institutions in the United States and therefore in the world, because four of the biggest are here. J.P. Morgan Chase, Citigroup, Bank of America, and Wells Fargo. When I left, it was because I wanted to build something myself, to build something different, to take advantage of some of the gaps that I see in the financial services industry. And because of that, I would love to get feedback from anyone who's listening to this. You can find me across all of the major social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, X, LinkedIn, Pinterest. If you have comments, ideas, thoughts, reactions, horror stories, good stories, anything that will help me understand what your biggest pain points are in financial life. I would be very grateful for you sharing those thoughts with me. So let's dig into what we're talking about. If you studied business as an undergrad, or you got an MBA like I did, or you just like to read business books, you've heard of this idea that incumbents are never the source of change for an industry. That makes sense, right? It's inertia. Uh, Comcast and AT&T have spent billions of dollars putting cable in the ground so that they can give you internet service and phone service. So they spent X billion dollars to put it in the ground. They figure they're going to be able to charge this many people, this much money per month, and therefore they're going to make this much money over time. And that's their profit. If a really interesting business model comes along, they're not going to do it. They're not going to rip that cable out of the ground or let it sit there to rot. And in fact, if a threat comes along, they're going to fight it as hard as they can from a competitive standpoint, and from a regulatory and legislative standpoint, to try to make sure that their business continues down the model that they built or else it won't work. And they're not wrong. Bank of America, in the last quarter of 2023, printed a $3.1 billion profit. I think it's pretty hard to tell those guys that their business model is wrong. Reed Hastings, the CEO and founder of Netflix, Now, if you don't remember, when Netflix took on Blockbuster, they decided that what they would do is mail out DVDs because Blockbuster was making most of its money from late fees. And so they got away from that and just tried to capture the market doing it. And when streaming came along, it would have been really easy for Reed Hastings and Netflix as a publicly traded company to just keep mailing DVDs to people. But they didn't. They burned their business to the ground and built one of the most iconic companies in the early 21st century. And so why is change so important? Why are Silicon Valley and San Diego and Austin, Texas, Miami, Florida, Northern Virginia, New York City, Boston, Massachusetts, Denver and Boulder, Colorado, Salt Lake City, Utah, Seattle, Washington, and all of the other startup communities so important? Because they are the place where change can come from. They are the place that doesn't have all of this installed infrastructure, as well as all of the things that have grown up around it. Think about it this way. In the 1940s, if you wanted to open a bank account, you went into the bank branch and you had to fill out a form. So when computers came along, the banks said, I've got a good idea. Let's take those forms and put them on the computer. And then when the internet came along, those same banks said, hey, I've got an idea. Let's put those forms on the internet. At no point did anybody who worked for these banks say, "Okay, hold on just a second. Our job as a company is to get people to give us their money as quickly as possible. And in order to get their money, we have to have an account open. So we want to make the account opening process as quick and as easy as possible. So how do we do that? And because they didn't do that, this entire world grew up around account opening forms Government regulation, all these different people who work at these banks to make sure all of this stuff gets done correctly. So not only can incumbents not change their business model, they can't even change the processes that are inside them. And that is the day-to-day life that we all lead when we're trying to open a new account at a bank, sign up for a new cell phone company, or Get on a new app. We have to fill out all of these forms because it's all based on incumbent technology, incumbent process that has been in place for a long time. But this extends to things beyond just your bank account and your investment account and the loans that you have, the traditional stuff that you think of with financial services. The way that I talk about this is the term financial life everything that touches your money, your cell phone bill, your internet bill. Your car, your home, all the things inside your car, all the things inside your home. I mean, let's think about it this way: gambling. Some of us like to gamble. I like to gamble, and I get it. Gambling is entertainment, but it's not like it's not like going to the theater where you buy a ticket and you go in, and the lights go down, and you watch the show, and then you leave and you go home. You put money into your betting account, and you bet on games, and you win or you lose. Wouldn't it be interesting, at least interesting, to just know how you're doing? I mean, that's a pretty easy financial calculation. I get it. The casinos might not want to tell you how you're doing because you might be sort of devastated. That's why the casinos are really big and much bigger than my house or my apartment. Probably yours as well. But it'd be interesting to know. What What about your car warranty? Your car is probably the second or third most valuable thing that you own, and you probably have a warranty. Do you know where it is? Do you know what it says? Do you know what it covers, what it doesn't? I mean, take that to the next step. What about insurance on your home, on things inside your home, your air conditioner, your refrigerator, your car? When you're dealing with these things, you kind of don't want to deal with them at all. And then all of a sudden you have to, and you're doing it at the worst possible moment. You get in a car accident, your house has a fire your refrigerator breaks, and you're suddenly looking for this document, trying to figure out whether the thing that happened is covered. It's probably the worst combination of sensations that you can have. And that's because at the end of the day, financial services, your financial life is an intermittent industry. This is the United States. Let's, let's use a metaphor that a lot of us will understand. This is like the left tackle on your football team. If you draft a left tackle in the NFL draft, you want to hear his name two or three times when he's drafted, when he retires, and if he makes it into the Hall of Fame. Otherwise, if you hear his name, you know he's probably committed some sort of egregious holding penalty on a big play in a big game that's probably going to help the other team win. And that's the thing about financial services. You want them to work and you really don't want to know about them. And then the minute that they don't work, it's fraud and someone has stolen your credit card or your ID and you're scrambling for a phone number, or it's your insurance and you're not sure if you've updated it and you're fully covered on the house that you've owned for 10 years and when you haven't updated the policy. And it's a weird thing today because it falls outside of what everybody is paying attention to. On the one hand, you have consumers who are really focused on this subscription economy and all the businesses that use it to be super successful all the social media companies, all the media companies, Netflix, Disney Plus, etc. They want to capture your attention. They want to get a subscription payment from you, or they want to put advertising in front of you and try to sell you something. And you have companies that have been super successful doing that. And now you have all of these sort of traditional industries that are trying to copy it. I was reading an article the other day that was talking about the idea that BMW is going to start selling you a subscription for your heated seats. So you'll have heated seats in your car, but if you don't pay a subscription fee for them, they won't work. And it's tempting to see that as an attractive business model because subscriptions are what are called recurring revenue. And I can see this pathway of revenues out into the future, and it's easy for me to forecast that out, or it's easier for me to forecast that out. And you know, financiers really like that, and it's easy to raise money when you have something like that. But at the end of the day, because financial services is an intermittent business, it's really difficult to engage with it that way. It's really difficult to want to go into your bank account every day. And so that's why you get all of these sort of weird solicitation emails all the time, or you have financial services companies whose job is ostensibly to help you save money and get ready for retirement and invest, trying to get you to spend that money by showing you sponsors like Home Depot or something like that. But I think the most fundamental problem in the financial services industry is that it doesn't have an investment in your outcome. Now, if you want to see the supply chain for a car, you can drive out to Detroit or out into North Carolina, and you can see a big factory in the middle of a field that's pumping out cars. If you want to take it to the next step, you can fly all over the world and see the people who are, and companies who are supplying rubber and metal and wood and fabric for the rugs, and that's the supply chain. Well, financial services products, financial products, have a supply chain. You just can't see it because it's a lot of people sitting in big buildings working with documents. It's lawyers and accountants and financiers and compliance officers. But every single one of those people adds a little bit of cost to the product. The product gets created, and then it's sold to people or businesses, and hopefully it's sold at a profit. And here's the thing once that fee is collected, once that commission is collected, those companies, those people, they move on. They don't have a vested interest in your outcome. And I'm not saying that they should guarantee you an outcome, but I am saying that there's got to be something else where they don't just walk away. I mean, the reason you can borrow 70, 75% for A mortgage is because the bank has a lot of confidence that if you have trouble paying it, i.e., you go bankrupt, you lose your job, whatever, they can take your home and sell it and get their money back. They're not really interested in keeping you in the house. And yeah, it's easy to say, look, it's a multi billion dollar company and what does it care? But that is a construct from a bygone era. All of these things are going to change as AI comes into play. But again, it isn't going to change from the incumbents. Why would Bank of America tear a $3.1 billion profit per quarter down to introduce AI to change their business model? Most incumbent companies, when it comes to new technology, merely use it to make their distribution channels for their existing products cheaper. And that is why you hear people talking about job losses when it comes to AI. What we're missing is context. What we're missing is understanding how all of these pieces, all of the pieces that are traditional and all of the pieces that surround it, your payment platform, you went out and bought something and you tried to return it, but you couldn't find the receipt. You had something stolen and tried to submit an insurance claim and you couldn't because you didn't have the receipt anymore. Those two are true stories that I'll tell you in a different episode. These things are all linked to each other, but there's... Not anybody out there in companies that is really interested in doing this. And there's tons of tools out there, dashboards and other things that let you do it for yourself like as a DIY project. But that leaves a lot of room for risk, a lot of room for error. And that is why what you see a lot in social media is this idea of trying to provide people with information, with context through information. But information is not knowledge. Information doesn't help you understand the system that you're working in. If you have a reaction to this episode, comments, thoughts, stories, if you think I'm crazy, find me on social media and drop me a comment. Let me know you heard this podcast and share with me those stories. Because I'd love to know that I'm wrong and that there's something out there that's great. But I'd also love to know that I'm right and understand where everybody's biggest pain points are so we can try to start to figure out how to solve them. Thanks for listening. I hope that this is helpful context for you and your financial life.